one of them weeks. All right, start over. Yeah, you want them? Yeah. So I got a buddy who was in his apartment. He was jamming out, playing music, and having a grand old time. And all of a sudden, the guy next door started beating on the wall. He said, turn my music down. And so, yeah. He said, well, how about a little bit of respect? And he said, okay, my bad. I didn't know y'all were Aretha Franklin fans. And cranked it back up. <laughs> it's been that kind of week. Uh, if you don't know or haven't heard, I had an emergency appendectomy on Wednesday, which is really fun. Um, I was working and, and didn't feel exactly great. And uh, it's bad when daddy shows up at your house and says you're going to the hospital. And anyway, so I ended up in the hospital and into St. Francis about 7 o'clock Wednesday night and back into Crystal's car about 9.30. So if I'm moving a little slow or, you know, you see me kind of take a second... I'm feeling much, much better, but I'm still kind of recovering. So thank you all for um, understanding. But what we're going to talk about today is, is the, <clears throat> the unity in the body of Christ. Where we're at right now in today's landscape and in, in the world, the enemy is doing his dead-level best to separate, to, to tear apart the church. And the church is under attack in, in, you know, multiple countries around the world. But even in our country, I mean, we're closed because of COVID or we're closed because of rules and regulations or you just, we're being mocked and, and, and attacked. Now, the, the folks that are being mocked and attacked and beaten and killed and set on fire in, in Afghanistan, obviously, are, are, are at the tip of the sword. But the body of Christ as a whole is under attack. It, it, if you turn on any kind of mainstream TV comedy stuff, I mean, they mock the religion and they mock Jesus on a fairly regular basis. And I, I've, I started doing some research where I could give you specific instances. And then I said, you know what? That's giving glory to the wrong side of the argument. So, so we're just going to say that they are, in, in fact, mocking Jesus. And it is absolutely. And the word is antichrist. And it's. We've been programmed to know that the Antichrist is a person or a being that's coming. But, but the world, the, the, the spirit that we're living in is an Antichrist movement. It is against the body of Christ. And so what we need to do as the body of Christ is, is come together, right? If you are going to uh, defeat an enemy, um, the best way to do it is, is to get them to fight amongst themselves before everything else starts, and then they're pretty easy to beat, right? If you can get the, the Presbyterian and the Baptists and the Methodists and the Evangelicals and all those people that want to fight amongst themselves, then the, the, the enemy doesn't have a really tough battle to fight. So if we will, we turn together um, to the book of Ephesians, and we're going to start at Ephesians 4. And Paul is trying to explain what we're supposed to look like, right? <clears throat> he, he, earlier in Ephesians 4, he just got finished praying for the, the people in Ephesus, right? And, and, and in, in, in chapter 4, he starts, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling. Wait a minute. Is that in the right spot? Yes, it is. To be completely humble and gentle and patient, bearing with one with another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is over all and through all and in all. All right, so the body of Christ, the, the, the Christian church as a whole... 
we have a whole lot of, um, we had this conversation the other day riding down the road. What do these folks believe and what do those folks believe? And I caught myself telling my children what they disagreed with us on. But I didn't tell them what we agreed on. Because if you look at the body of Christ in the churches, and you can think of mega church, little church, baby church, old church, young church, black church, white church, country church, city church. When you get to the bottom line, it's whether or not Christ is in the center of the church or not is really all that matters. Because if Christ crucified is in the city center of the church, then that is what makes them a Christian church, right? So if we can find what we can agree on, it does us a lot better to be part of the body than what we can disagree on. And I know it's the, Paul uses it, says, if I'm not an eye, then I'm no use to the body, and if I'm not a tongue or here, whatever. But I mean, think about it. I mean, your hands and feet don't operate the same, right? Your knees and elbows don't operate the same. Your hips and shoulders don't operate the same. They're very similar, right? Hip and shoulder, both ball sockets. They don't operate the same. They don't have the same range of motion. They don't have the same part of, um, of use in the body. So as the body of Christ is concerned, as we have use of the body of Christ, churches have different uses. I mean, we have different jobs. We have different parts of what we believe and what we don't believe. But what the enemy wants to do is separate us and segregate us to where we don't believe like them and we don't believe like them and we don't do like them and we don't believe like them and wants to create segmentations in the body of Christ when in the opposite of what happens should be that we're coming together as the body of Christ, rallying around Jesus, knowing that he is head and center of the body of Christ. Paul even said, some of y'all say you follow Paul and some say you follow Apollos, but I follow Jesus, Right? The, the difference between the churches and the churches that we have right now is they've been infiltrated with years and years and years of tradition and rules and, and man-made obligations. But if we can get back to the center of what makes us all the same and say that it's the Bible because that's God's word and it's a living, breathing entity, when we can get centered back on what God's word means for us and what it actually equi- uh, equates for us as the body of Christ... We have a lot more common ground than we believe. And, and like I said, if you're trying to defeat somebody, having a unified front is probably like the number one thing, right? And like we need a plan and we need to all be on the same plan. And as Christians and as the body of Christ, whether you're young or old or white or black or vaccinated or unvaccinated or, or pro-choice or whatever, it doesn't matter. I don't care what boxes you can check on a survey, whether you're, what demographic you fit in. The body of Christ says that we are all heirs of Christ and joint heirs with Christ and that we're brothers and sisters. Now look, even in my family, right? Brothers and sisters, we don't all look the same. We don't all act the same. We don't all have the same opinion. Does that make me better than Sally and Philip? Well, no, not that doesn't. But I mean, so, you know. <laughs> but, but we're not the same, right? I mean, we're not, we're not the same. I mean, living in the same family, in the same house, my whole, I mean, we don't have a very diverse story, right? We were raised under the same roof, under the same rules. I mean, Sally and I were. Philip kind of lived by a little bit of a different set of rules. But I mean, for the most part, we were under the same house and the same rules and ate the same food and grew up the same way. Yet we still have different in opinions, you know, things that I think is okay, Philip doesn't or Sally doesn't. And, 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 you know, sometimes we get in a disagreement of what we think is right. But I can guarantee you that if you come against Sally or Philip, 
you're going to have to handle Robbie in somewhere in the middle of that. Because the unified front is there. That my brother and my sister in flesh are absolutely two of my best friends on the planet. And, and I am very concerned over what, who they are and where they're going and what's going on with them and what people say to them and what happens, right? And then when we get to look at the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, we go, well, you know, they don't really believe like us, so I don't care what happens to them. They don't speak our language, so whatever, you know. Do they, they even worship God like we do? Do they pray? I mean, do you see how they sing? Do they play music, or they have instruments, or they sing off the wall, or they sing out of a book, or they sing old songs, or they sing new songs? See how silly that sounds? We don't associate with those people because they only sing out of the hymnal anymore. Or we don't associate with them because they have a drummer or a, a, a guitar player or whoever. Right? I mean, I'm just looking for the superficial reasons of why people want to segregate against churches. And I know y'all have heard the joke, and I actually told us in the, <laughs> I told us in the operating room, <laughs> which is a good place to tell jokes, right, in the operating room. And it was talking about being in the church, and I'm in the same church that I grew up in. And that, the surgeon said, that's really uh, uh, unique. I mean, not a lot of folks are in the same church that they grew up in. I said, well, yeah, there's a joke about a guy being stuck on a desert island, and there's three buildings on the desert island, and then when they're rescued, and they said, what are the three buildings? And he said, well, that's my house, and that's my church. And they said, well, what's that over there? And he said, oh, that's the church I used to go to, right? Because somebody had offended him while he was stuck on the island by himself, and he changed churches. See, the thing is, is if you can get somebody to be disappointed in a church or bothered by a church, then maybe, maybe, as the enemy, he can get you away from God. Because the truth is, is no matter where you go to church or no matter how you worship or how you dress or which of the, you know, God knows how many English translations of the Bible there is now, no matter which one you read, if you have Jesus centered first and you're focused on Christ, then you are my brother and sister in Christ. And I don't care. If you're black, black, white, yellow, pink, green, I don't care if you're young or old. I don't care if you speak in tongues or you don't. I don't care if you dance in the aisles or you don't. I don't care if you have tambourines and drums and laser light show and smoke. And I don't care. What we should be focused on is absolutely on Jesus because the unity of the body of Christ comes from Jesus. He came here to create one body. He said in John, let's go, let's go look at that. I, I read this verse and, and, then, and decided not, but Holy Spirit said I am. So the gospel according to John, he said, something, he said something very unique. The gospel according to John, uh, uh, chapter 18, verse 36. Um, you can read anywhere you want to right here, but this is, this is when Pilate is talking to Jesus. But verse 36, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. For if it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from a face far away, from another place. So when, when, when you talk about who we are, Jesus said, if, 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 if I was from here and this was my kingdom, my servants would be fighting. They would, they would do whatever it took to stop me from being arrested. Yet here we are in the body of Christ. And not only are we not protecting the body of Christ from the enemy, we sometimes pile on. We sometimes go, uh, you know, I heard they said. 
a funny story, we built this church in 2010, and we, we had a pretty hard deadline, right? Emily was getting married on June the 26th, something like that. I don't know. I think I remember her anniversary for my whole entire life, because every day I came here, I knew Emily was getting married on June the 26th, whether we were finished with this church or not. And we didn't start until January the 7th. It was a pretty quick build. And then it was tough. It was a wet spring. But in the process, these two rooms right here behind the screens are... Um, changing rooms for the baptistry and in case you don't know there's a baptistry right here in the middle and the original design where those were to be changing rooms so if you were to come to get baptized you would walk in there and change clothes and then walk back out well they didn't have a floor in them because all of the av stuff coming in that's how you access underneath the stage you go in those rooms and you climb down under the floor and you can move the av stuff where there's plugs here and plugs there and under the pulpit you move all the stuff around well they didn't have floors in them for months after the sheetrock was done, it was one of the last things we did before they put the carpet in was to actually put the floors in. And it's two good old boys that are electricians, and they were trying to figure out how high to put the light switches in those two closets. And there's no floor, and if you stand on the ground, I mean, the door handle is way up there, right? And so they asked Philip, what are those two rooms for? And Philip said, oh, that's where I keep the snakes. <laughs> that boy said, Okay. It wasn't for weeks that Philip realized that he didn't take the joke. He had no idea. He legitimately thought we had snakes that were coming to be held underneath the stage up here. And I finally told him, I'm like, Josh, EJ, if we had snakes in our church, my mama would never come in the door. There's not enough Jesus to talk her into coming in with the snakes. But look, if you go to a church that handles snakes, God bless you. All that matters to us as the body of Christ is this Jesus crucified, the sinner value. Because if we can get to common ground to where Jesus crucified is the sinner value, we can work out the details. We're on the same team. You might be taller than me or shorter than me or older than me or prettier than me or uglier than me. That don't matter. We'll work out the details. As long as you can agree, if we can come into contact to where Jesus crucified a sinner, that he died on the cross, that he went to hell and paid my penalty and yours, was resurrected for my salvation, I got something we can work with. There's a joke, and I can't remember it, and it's about this long, but it's about a guy that was getting ready to jump off the bridge. And another guy stuck, comes by and he says, whoa, 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 don't jump off the bridge, you got so much to live for. And then through the conversation, he figures out that he's a Baptist and he's a Baptist. And then they talk about what version of the Bible they read. And everybody is agreeing. And they just get more and more friends. And then they get to some part of the Baptist church. And I don't even know enough about it to know the disagreement. And then the guy on the bridge says, well, you need to jump then if that's what you really think. I mean, we done went through that we, you know, we Christians and we got stuff to live for and we agree and we're both Baptists and we both do this and we both do that. And it was like 17 things that they agreed on. And then whatever one thing that they did, well, you need to jump. Well, that's how we are right now with the body of Christ. We have all of these things that we agree on, yet all we want to focus on is what we don't agree on. Why? That doesn't make a lot of sense. The unity of the body of Christ, first and foremost, should be surrounded by the body of Christ. Um, if you turn with me to Romans chapter 12, 
verse 3, For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought to. And I would just tell you that if you read Romans 12, chapter chapter 12, verse 3, and you really believed it, for grace by me to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. Most of the problems that we have in the body of Christ would be taken care of. But rather think of yourself as sober judgment in accordance with faith that God has distributed to you. For just as one of you... Each of us has one body with many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So is in Christ. So we form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. So when we in the body of Christ, all of the churches, all of the people, all of the outreaches, all of the things. And look, even in our, in our overseas ministries that we support, couldn't be three more different folks. Couldn't be three more different folks. Between the folks that we support, between Eddie and Scott and the guy in the Philippines, I mean, three absolutely different takes, right? Three complete. Does anybody think one of those is more important than the other? Does anybody think that one is more special than the other? I can't understand it. I mean, all three of them, all three of the missionaries that we support, focus on giving Jesus to the world. All three of the missionaries that we support, their single focus has given Jesus to the world. And they do it about different ways. It's mass communication in one. It's mass gatherings in one. And one is in a local church in the Philippines. All three of them have God's calling on them. Christian outreach, I mean, um, Change Lives Ministries, they touch people we can't touch. Does that make them better or worse? No, but it makes them part of my body of Christ. So we support them too, right? The Gideons, do they touch the same people we touch? No. Do, do we support them? Absolutely. What is their goal? Their goal is to spread the gospel throughout the whole entire world. Right? And you say, well, you know, if you had this and this, but you could get rid of those things. It's almost like options on a car. Well, we don't really need power windows. Do we, we don't really need Bibles in every hotel room. Wait a minute, do we? If there's one soul that finds Christ in a hotel room in a worst moment of their life, every penny we've ever put into the Gideons is worth it. Because how much value is it in a soul? And I think Scott Hunter one time actually did a breakdown of where he, he valued it out of how much money they had spent per soul. I don't care what the price tag is. What's one soul worth? Well, I know what it's not worth. It's not worth talking down somebody else's church to try to talk them out of going there. Because they don't believe like us or they don't do like us. Or because, well, the one time that pastor did this or one time that they did that or I can't believe they would do this. Y'all, that's silly. This is like pulling against your own team. I mean, I want us to win, but I don't necessarily want them to win. But if we're body of Christ and they're the body of Christ, if you were running a race and your whole body had to finish, but you decided you was going to cut off a couple toes because you didn't want them to have the glory of finishing the race. I mean, that sounds kind of silly, but it, I mean, it, the body of Christ is, is supposed to be this complete group of churches, right? And, and I can't find, I can't find, I, I've looked, I can't find where he said, and, and some were Methodists, and some were Episcopals, and some were Presbyterians, and some were Baptists, and some were non-denominational, some were AOG, and some were Pentecostals, and 
I, I can't find it. And maybe that's in a different version of the Bible. I can't. Because what I see is it, it, there was apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers and pastors. That's what I can find. And those are all for the upbuilding and the edifying of the body of Christ. So if, we're, if that's really our goal, if our goal is really to upbuild the body of Christ, then this is a team effort. This is a team effort. I can tell you, I don't know what your appendix does, but apparently it hurts a bunch. I could have done without my appendix before I started. After having the surgery, I realized that it's been hurting for quite some time. But how much did it slow me down? Because it wasn't on my team. It wasn't pulling for me. I mean, I, it's a, it was a weight. And I don't think it's very big. I don't know. They never did show me. He was supposed to show me pictures of it. He told me I had about 24 hours before it ruptured, but I'm glad it didn't. But I mean, the hole that he cut in me, it couldn't be very big. But it sure slowed down my team. I mean, if I had to run a race on Wednesday, I was laying on the bathroom floor. There wasn't no, I didn't have no get up in me at all. None. And then I told Uncle Mike, preached that sermon last week about being the best commercial and we're going to witness no matter where we are. And I, I was sweaty and nasty. I kind of wiped off a little bit and I found me a new t-shirt. It was one of my good Christian t-shirts. And I put that t-shirt on. I was going to be a witness to that hospital with that t-shirt. I got to wear it for about three minutes in Roper Berkeley before they made me take my clothes off. And about three minutes before they kicked me out of St. Francis as they were wheeling me to the door. So that shirt was not a very good witness. But I knew that I was going to wear that shirt. People were going to ask me about that shirt. But they didn't. They didn't at all. But now, I can tell you, every time I got a chance to talk about Jesus, we talked about Jesus. Every person that touched me in the hospital, I thanked them for what they were doing. Every time I had a chance to be a good patient, I was as good a patient as I could be. As best I could come up with. Why? Because even at our worst, we're still in the middle of our commercial. No matter what, no matter what's taking place, I'm still some of the best Jesus anybody's ever going to see. And I'm sorry for those folks that this is the best version they get. But still, I'm going to give them the best Jesus I got. And in the body of Christ, hey, look, if you are the eyelash or the toenail or the belly button or whatever part of the body of Christ we are, I want to be the best one of them. I want to be the people that are are bringing unity. And and listen, there can't be unity in the body of Christ if it's not centered on the Bible and on Jesus. It can't happen. Because if it does, it's not right. It can't happen. I don't care. I don't care who they are. I don't care what they teach. I, I, I love everybody. I want the body of Christ. But if it's not centered on God, and if it's not centered on God's word, and, and the words that are written in red, and the words that are in this book, then it's not worth saving. But if it is, if it is the body of Christ, if it is worth saving, if it is the people that are fighting to know the truth, fighting to know the gospel, to have the salvation of God. Like those people in Afghanistan who are fighting to have the gospel at their hands. That are being hunted down at their house because they have the Bible app on their phone. We need to stand with those people as well. Those belong to me. That's my brothers and sisters. I don't care if they don't speak my language. They They know my dad. They know my dad. They know my brother. And to me, that's all that matters, right? Because we either are 100% the body of Christ or we are wasting our time. It either is Christ-centered 
or it's a waste of time. It's either God first or it's a waste of time. And I don't care what segment, segregation, different things, different beliefs, old school, new school, I think that went out, I don't think that went out. I don't care. If it can't center on Jesus, I got no center ground. It's non-negotiable. <clears throat> I don't have as much air as I normally have. <clears throat> uh, turn with me to Colossians. Chapter, uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another that there is no grievance amongst you. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. For all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. See, if we treated the body of, if we treated human beings with compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and patience, not only would the body of Christ be stronger, it'd be bigger. Instead of taking time to tell somebody what they ought not to be doing, it's so much easier to tell them Jesus loves them. It's, it, it really is. If you were trying to if you're trying to catch somebody or, 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 or get somebody's attention, it's so much easier to tell them the good news. It's so much easier to tell them the good news. And yet I see people on a regular want to tell them the bad news. It's not bad news. Jesus loves you. He died for you, for you, for you, for you. He loved you enough to die for you. If we can get the body of Christ to come together in compassion, in kindness, in humility, and gentleness and patience. That, that is what builds the body of Christ. If we are centered on Christ and we start to act like Jesus. Because he, he didn't go around bashing people about the head with the gospel. He didn't. He went and found people who were hurt, people who were demon-possessed, people who were sick, people who had been forgotten about, the little guy. And he found them and he made them champions. That's our job. We are supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this word. Father, we, we pray now for the unity in the body of Christ. We just thank you and praise you that as we move forward, Father, that we will, be help, we will help mend and heal. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.